This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to while on the way to work. David Vassay. Episode 23 of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona Extra, the official cerveza of Extra Innings and of La Vida Mas Fina. Find the fine life and please drink responsibly. We have a great episode for you as we have the previous 22. Not only is Andre Ethier going to join us, but also... The great Mark McGuire will join us. That's right. How many podcasts have Mark McGuire on their show? How many shows out there, pregame shows, have Mark McGuire on their shows? None. Only this one. Only with me, Mark McGuire. And uh, I know there's some mixed feelings about Mark McGuire, but there really shouldn't be. And I think every time that I share him with you, like we did during that three-month shutdown of baseball where we had Big Mac Mondays. I really believe that you see the side of Mark McGuire that I was privy to see when he was the hitting coach with the Dodgers. So that's the connection right there. You might be wondering, Mark McGuire? How does Dave say no Mark McGuire? No, I did not know him when he was the St. Louis Cardinals slugger. No, I did not know him. When the Dodgers beat the A's in 1988, I got to know him when he became the hitting coach for the Dodgers in 2013, and he's a great guy. He knows a lot more about baseball than just hitting, but he has a lot to share, and the reason why Mark is joining us is because I shared a portion of this interview on our pregame show the first day that the Dodgers were in St. Louis on Labor Day with Albert Pujols going back to St. Louis. And you may not realize this, but Albert Pujols's rookie year was Mark McGuire's last year in baseball, 2001. So Mark McGuire and Pujols were teammates. And then fast forward to 2011, Albert Pujols then was a pupil a Mark McGuire, because if you remember how McGuire got back into baseball, it was Tony LaRussa that added McGuire to the Cardinals coaching staff as the hitting coach back in 2011. So that's the connection between Albert Pujols and Mark McGuire. So you will hear from Mark, and we'll also check in with our guy, Andre Ethier, who is very addicted to social media now. If you watch his Instagram post at Everett Ethier, you'll see that he has caught the bug of posting on social media. So we'll talk to Andre all things Dodgers and we'll see how the Instagram is going and whether or not I am correct about the itch that he has gotten ever since starting this Instagram account. Batting leadoff, host of the Extra Innings Podcast, David Vassay. All right. I'll be honest with you because I was honest with myself while the Dodgers were in San Francisco. And here's the honest truth. While the Dodgers were playing that big series at Oracle Park, it was the first time 
that I had missed being on the road and hosting Dodger Talk and the postgame show and reporting from a stadium that the Dodgers were at. This was the first time, and it's a pennant race. It's the Giants, and yeah, I felt like I should have been there, but the circumstances are what they are. Uh, the Dodgers and the radio station are not traveling any broadcasters during the regular season. When I go to San Diego, that's uh, that's something that I volunteer for with our radio station because it's very easy to get to. Just drive on down there and drive on back. So getting to San Francisco would have been tough this time on my own without being part of the traveling party, considering I would have to fly into Oakland or I would have had to drive myself. Usually that wouldn't be a problem, but because it was a Sunday night baseball game instead of a Sunday day game, it was very difficult for me on my own to turn around and come all the way back to L.A. for a day game and be part of the pregame show and have all of that taken care of. So that's the reason why I chose not to drive myself to San Francisco. And another layer to all this that many people don't know is – even if I could get to these ballparks on my own, a lot of times these teams don't have enough broadcast space these days because they're separating their broadcasters. Maybe one broadcaster is in one booth and another broadcaster is in another booth. So the same broadcast, but they're in two separate boxes. So space is limited in that respect. But the reason why I bring this up is because it gave me some pause to reflect on some of my favorite cities that I have traveled with the Dodgers over the course of the last 10 years. And here's the criteria of my list. I have a top 10 and I have a bottom five. Okay. So here's the criteria because everybody always asks me, including some of my closest friends, what's your favorite city? What's your favorite city? What ballpark do you love the most? Well, here's my criteria for my top 10 list and my bottom five list of cities that I have traveled with the Dodgers the last 10 years. And by the way, in case you don't know, I'm one of those lucky people that have been at every major league ballpark that is open currently right now. So that is my resume to be able to hand out this top 10 cities that I have traveled with. So here's the criteria. Number one, the convenience of getting to the ballpark from the team hotel. Number two, lunch spots, dinner spots, hangout spots, foodie spots. All right. So the food in the city. Number three, the vibe. Got to have a good vibe in your city. I want to feel like I'm at home. I don't want to be looked sideways at because I'm brown and from L.A. And number four, the historical significance. I'm not one of these people that just stays in the hotel room. I like to get out and get some fresh air and actually take in each city and the culture of each city because as we are finding out, living in California is a lot different than living in Texas. Living in California is a lot different than living in Philadelphia or Florida. So I like to see what the vibe is, the temperature is in each city and experience the best of what each city has to offer. All right. And before I get to this list, I'll just qualify that I'm not including New York, Chicago, or Boston because 
Everybody loves those three cities. They are the three best. So I'm just leaving them out with the understanding that New York and Chicago are my two favorite cities to visit. Boston, uh, number three, because one of my closest cousins live out there and my brother lives out there. So I get to see them every time we go there on top of uh, everything else that goes with that historical city. So let's just leave those out of it. So number one. San Diego, California, in my opinion, the greatest city in this country. Everything that people imagine L.A. to be, San Diego is. Laid back, beach city, great looking women, great food, great nightlife, and more importantly, as many of you know, it's not a secret, uh, in years past, the Dodgers have stayed at that hotel connected to the ballpark. They don't do that anymore because the fans started to uh, overwhelm them in that hotel. So I still stay there. And for the convenience of getting to the ballpark and everything else I just mentioned, San Diego is at the top. Number two, Washington, D.C. That's right. Our nation's capital. One of the best cities you will ever go to. Not only the national monuments, not only the great museums, not only getting a chance to see our Constitution, but also some other great museums, including the newspaper museum, the media museum out there. I love going to that museum. I love taking the walk. I actually, one year, went to Ford Theater to see where the great Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And then you can walk across the street to that house where he took his final breath. So if you ever go to Washington, D.C., I strongly encourage you to not only go to all the usual places, but also Ford Theater. Also... It blew me away the first time I ever went to Arlington National Cemetery. Just an incredible place, and um, it brings to reality all of the sacrifices so many of our men and women in the armed services have have sacrificed for us over the years when you see all those graves, and especially when you go to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, not to mention Uh, Going up to the top of Arlington Cemetery to see where President John F. Kennedy was buried with the internal flame and Robert Kennedy. So for all those reasons, I love Washington, D.C. Plus, they have good bars and they have got good restaurants. Old Epic Grill right around the corner from the White House, I strongly recommend. And also a place called the Hamilton stays open late and also has food late. And drinks late. So I like that area as well. So Washington, D.C., number two. Number three, not in the United States, but in great Canada, Toronto. Toronto is one of my favorite cities I've ever been to, one of the cleanest cities I've ever been to, one of the most beautiful people cities I've been to. Plus, you can get some extra strength Tylenol for your headaches since it is in Canada that always helps and baseball players over the years have told me that whenever they have some aches and pains going to Canada to get some extra strength Tylenol Canadian style always helps nothing illegal by the way it's just a little something more that the FDA doesn't approve in the United States so all safe if you ever go to Canada if you get that Tylenol up there that ibuprofen up there 
it's a little bit better. That hangover headache will go away and the aches in your knees, shoulders, neck, back, whatever it is, will go away. And by the way, Toronto, great Italian neighborhood, great restaurants. The Hockey Hall of Fame is up there as well. Uh, you're right there on the lake. So uh, Toronto is in my top three. Number four, Philadelphia. That's right, Philly, baby. Hey, man, Philadelphia, where the great Tony Bruno resides. Philadelphia, historical, number one. Just a great historical city of this country and so many sights to see. I strongly recommend if you go to Philadelphia, you have to go visit Independence Hall. It's uh, the place where the United States Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution were debated and adopted. You have to go see it. They actually have the room and recreate the chairs of where the greats, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, all were in that room. Uh, basically framing and debating our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And, of course, you can't forget the Rocky Steps, the Museum of Art in Philadelphia. That is a must, and obviously the great food, Philly cheesesteaks, um, not only uh, Geno's and Pat's, but there's some other good ones as well that I don't remember right now. But if you go there, the locals will direct you uh, of the best Philly cheesesteaks out there and great Italian food, no doubt. Mike Sosha actually re recommended uh, old-school sloppy Italian red sauce cheese Italian restaurant for us to go to and it was very old school you can't go wrong there and one of the first times Andre Ethier and I ever went out was uh, at a foodie place foodie Italian place in Philadelphia I'll ask him about it when he comes on number five Miami come on welcome to Miami yeah Miami is right up there I loved it when the Dodgers stayed in the Brickell area because it was in the same area of Marlins Park, but then they moved down south to a more fancier hotel that uh, takes about a half hour to get to the ballpark from. So Miami is great. South Beach is awesome, but uh, where the Dodgers stay it was always a challenge to get to South Beach, but Brickell's a great area as well. When Tim Wallach became the coach with the Marlins, he kind of would uh, bring me into a humdrum life over there because all he wanted to do was go to a burger spot. So Wallach is one of my guys, and we always would love to catch up for dinner when the Dodgers were in Miami and the opportunity presented itself. But it was just basically a sports bar with burgers, and that's not what you envision when you have a night out in Miami. So a lot of times I would have the burger with him and then um, take it to the streets after that, baby. All right, number six, Denver. Denver, Colorado. The best thing about Denver is the proximity of where the Dodgers stay to the ballpark. I would walk to Coors Field from the Dodgers team hotel, and everything is walkable right there in Lodo. That's what they call it, lower downtown. So Denver is number six on my list just because of convenience. And there's a great breakfast spot there across the street from the Dodger Hotel. Uh, there was a very, um, I wouldn't say uncomfortable situation, but if you were on the outside looking in, the scene looked quite different than what it actually was. I went to breakfast one day before a game, and there were two young ladies sitting in the booth right next to me, and the booth was connected, and we just started chatting it up, and off in the corner 
was old Justin Turner watching all of this. And these two young ladies may have been overserved the night before, so they were trying to eat it off with breakfast. And they left, and as I was walking out, I don't even realize Justin Turner is there, and he uh, he spots me, and uh, he wanted to know what the heck was going on there. And I said, hey, look, there was nothing going on. Even if I wasn't married, nothing would be going on. Number seven, Tampa Bay, Florida. And the reason why Tampa Bay has climbed up to number seven was because of the last road trip the Dodgers took to Tampa Bay. Two years ago, before the pandemic, it was a road trip that took the Dodgers to Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, and Pittsburgh. And the Dodgers had two full days off in Tampa Bay. And that was something I have never experienced before. I actually went to a, the beach down there in Tampa. Uh, there was a nice beach bar, and it was quite a day. It was my favorite day that I have spent in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, Florida, to be exact. And um, I had a great time. Nomar was filling in for Oral on that road trip. So that was a road trip that Nomar and I spent a lot of time together, had dinner a lot together, hung out a lot together, and got to know him a lot better. And he got to know me a lot better. And Nomar, the reason why I love Nomar is because he reminds me of the friends I grew up with. And he's from Whittier. He's Mexican. So are my friends. So just a lot in common uh, as far as our backgrounds, our upbringing, and our families. So that was really cool to hang out with Nomar as much as I did on that road trip from Cincinnati to St. Pete to Pittsburgh. Speaking of Pittsburgh, one of the most under-the-radar cities you'll ever be is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Number one, the proximity. You can walk from the hotel across the Clemente Bridge into the ballpark, PNC Park. Also, I would rate the hotel the Dodgers stay at in Pittsburgh as one of the top three hotels that they stay in. Number nine, Atlanta. Atlanta, eh, very spread out. Great hotel the Dodgers stay at. Very convenient to go to a true food by the ballpark. So that's why Atlanta is number nine. Not loving the vibe. Uh, I don't know. The, Atlanta's not that great. Too spread out. And I, I guess Atlanta, the best part of Atlanta was the time Kenley Jansen and I went to the NBA on TNT Studios, courtesy of Ernie Johnson and Shaquille O'Neal for inviting us. That was really cool to hang out with those guys one night. That was 2017 or something. So that was my highlight of all the trips to Atlanta. Number 10, San Francisco. It it was a good city when I first traveled with the Dodgers in 2012, and ever since then it's gone down, down, down. And maybe I don't love San Francisco because the Dodgers stay at a hotel where they have a brand new side that is super fancy. And then they have another side, which is called historical, which means crappy. And that's the side they always put me on, the historical crappy side, because a technicality that I'm not a Dodger employee. So they put me on the other side of the hotel in the crappy side or the histor historical side. And San Francisco, uh, it's not as great of a city as you would think. You have to go all the way to the Marina District. It's a challenge. The Uber drivers are jerks. The cab drivers are jerks. So not really convenient to get from point A to point B. All right, very quickly, my bottom 10. St. Louis, 
the worst city I've ever been to. Number one, the only saving grace was when the Dodgers did stay at that Westin across the street from Bush Stadium. They no longer do, so convenience is out, and St. Louis is the worst city the Dodgers travel to. Number two, Houston. Not only because the Astros cheated, but Houston, there is nothing to do. I've unfortunately had to go there three too many times, and I dread having to go back there again. Houston stinks. Not much to do there. A concrete jungle. Number three, Detroit. I've been there for a Super Bowl when it's snowing. The Seahawks and uh, the Steelers, I went there for the first time snowing. Not a great city. Uh, I guess Greektown is the best thing Detroit has to offer. I don't love their Detroit-style pizza. It's a rock in your stomach. So Detroit is number three. Number four, Kansas City. What is there to do in Kansas City except to go to the Negro League Museum? That's the only thing to do in Kansas City. Barbecue and the Negro League Museum, which is awesome. And Bob Kendrick does a great job, but that's all there's to do in Kansas City. And number five, Milwaukee. How many times can I go see the Fonzie statue? Milwaukee, I my wife's mom is from Milwaukee, and they go to Milwaukee every year. And I had to go one year on top of being there two times already actually three times already because the Dodgers made two trips there in the 2018 NLCS I dread going to Milwaukee Milwaukee stinks don't ever go to Milwaukee and I may have to go there again this year because I am predicting a 2021 NLCS between the Dodgers and Brewers so there's my list sorry if you're from any of these places I don't like uh, congratulations if you are from the places I like, but that's the God honest truth. Well, it's not every day you're able to be joined by a World Series champion as a player and a coach, a man that accomplished so many things in his 16 years in baseball and still continues to do so with his family. A man that hit 583 home runs in his career and had a 982 OPS and a respectable, maybe elite these days, 263 batting average. And oh, by the way, he was a 12-time All-Star, a gold glover, and set the rookie record in 1987 with 49 home runs. I'm talking about former Dodger hitting coach and should-be Hall of Famer, the one and only Mark <laughs> McGuire. Mark, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it. <laughs> David, thank you. That was, a, that was a fantastic intro, man. That's awesome. Thanks for doing that. I left out quarantine partner on Dodger Talk as well, so I apologize. <laughs> That's right. We did do that. That seems like it's been 10 years ago, but it was just a short time ago. Hey, Mark, speaking of 10 years ago, it was 10 years ago that Albert Pujols left St. Louis and signed with the Angels. He goes back today for the second time. And can you maybe help us understand why he's so revered in St. Louis? Well, I mean, he basically owns the city <laughs> along like with the, the, the likes of Bob Gibson and Stan Musial and Red Chainings and um, – Whitey Herzog and Ozzie Smith. It's just uh, what he did there um, in his 10 years was just 
I mean, nobody in the game in baseball has done what he has done numbers-wise. World Series, MVPs. Um, and it, it was just like, like can you, I can't believe that last year was the first time, I think it was last year, <clears throat> it was the first time that when the Angels went back, oh, no, it was the year before, it was 19, that he went back. And um, that was the first time back in St. Louis since the, uh, since the uh, signing of his free agent year with the Angels. It was unbelievable. Uh, the fans, the way they treated him, and standing ovation, I think, every at bat. Yachty was just such a professional and always took a little walk out to the cut of the grass in front of home plate and, you know, gave him his moment. And he ended up hitting a home run, I think, the last game there. Uh, not knowing if he ever get back there again. And then um, ironic that the, the Dodgers were picked him up when he was uh, let go by the Angels this uh, beginning of the year. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, it uh, looks like it's rejuvenated him. And then, and then he gets to go back there for four games this week, and it's just going to be – it's going to be off the charts. Uh, I would expect pretty close to sellout crowds and um, – I know there's grumblings right now. I've read there's grumblings of they they want him to return, uh, assuming that the DH will be in the uh, with all 30 teams next year uh, once they get the agreement done. And then there's grumblings that St. Louis wants him back. So, but I think for Valley fans to sit back and watch these games and to see um, the appreciation the fans give greatness, um, it's it's going to be remarkable. And you have the unique perspective of not only being his teammate, but also his coach. Your last year in baseball was his first year, and then you became the hitting coach when the Cardinals won that championship. And when you think of Albert Pujols, I know he is who he is right now, but do you still look at him as that rookie that you first got to meet in spring training? Uh, I just, if there's anything that I regret is is not going further to play with him. You know, I there was the... I. Now that I look back, I mean, it's it was the right time for me to, to step away from the game and retire. But when I look back after that first season, and, and then I saw what he did. I mean, I there was I, I could have played another five or six years. There's no question about that. And then when I think about that, I just I sort of regret it because of just playing with greatness. It's just like when you're <clears throat> when you're at a certain uh, level in the game of baseball. And then you see someone coming from behind you that is on another level. Um, man, I, I just wish I got to play more games with them. And unfortunately, the year that I, my last year, 2001, I was basically playing on one leg anyways, and I was just <laughs> tired of rehabbing and, and doing all that stuff. But um, I, that's one thing. It's just playing with greatness, seeing greatness. Um, it's just, it's it's something that not everybody gets to, to, uh, to see or to, I get to be next to and um but you know knowing him as well as I do and calling him a great friend and you know living in the same community as him um watching his kids grow up watching my kids grow up it's it's been fantastic and you still have that trust with him you were his hitting coach in 2011 when you guys won the world series in St. Louis and he still taps into you that must mean a lot to you yeah, it does. It does. I mean, we, we, we really think like the work ethic, uh, the seriousness of when you get into the cage and you do your work. Um, 
you know, it's, I can understand when some people just because today's today's ball player today is all about having fun and you know messing around and being loose. Which, which hey, listen, I was about as loose as anybody, along with Albert. Well, there's a time and a place where this is your job. And anybody who works in any job, you can't run around and, and just be running amok in the clubhouse or anything. you got to get down to serious business. And that's the way he was, and, and that's the way I was. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that he's always said that followed me for a year um, in his first year and watching the seriousness of I, what I did in the cage and the preparation I did and understanding the mind is the most powerful thing that you can have and, that can set you above anybody uh, in the game of baseball. And, um, you know, he just took that to 20-plus years, you know. And it's just, uh, you know, he's he's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if he's not, if he's not 100%, I mean, they're, they're, they have to really recheck of who's doing all the voting because there's no question Albert's 100% and first-time Hall of Famer. Mark, uh, you mentioned how much fun he's having with the Dodgers. Uh, watching from your home these games that he's playing with the Dodgers, do you really believe yeah. he's having the most fun that he's had in a while? I really do. I, I think it's fantastic. It's like I can see it in his face. He's in the dugout, the relationships that he has with, you know, the players that they come in with a big hit, you know, a big home run. It's got a smile. I mean, he sees everything, so – there's no question he's showing and he's seeing the tipping that the pitchers are doing and the tendencies that they're doing. You know, he's, he's an extra hitting coach. He's an extra manager in there. Uh, you know, the unfortunate thing is he's just not, you know, he's not playing a lot right now because they're at full strength and they're doing the left, right stuff. But, you know, <clears throat> you know, the last few at bats, he's had really good ones. He had the sack fly the other night and in the pinch hit uh, role and, and then he had the big home run last night and, you know, to get him uh, two behind and, you know, they had the tying run come up to the plate. And, you know, he'll do anything to put the ball in play to keep the line rolling. And that's, a, that's something about him that, that I truly, truly love. And that's something that the game of baseball is missing right now is somebody with that much greatness, power, RBIs, average, that will – shorten up his swing to put the ball and play with two strikes just to, just to keep things going. Now, sometimes it might look ugly. You know, he might roll over and double play. But the fact is that he is setting the trend of getting people moving. And when people move, especially defensive, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to be in a place that might not be in. There might be a bad hop. There might be anything. And that's just the kind of player he is. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, he's having a lot of fun Mark McGuire is joining us before the Dodgers and Cardinals play the first of four games in St. Louis. Uh, Mark, I don't know if I've told you this, but I have shared, speaking of two-strike approach, that some of our conversations about hitting and how you could diagnose certain things about players and one thing that you and Nomar Garcia-Para agree on is that Cody Bellinger should uh, consider going to a two-strike approach from his very first pitch that he sees. That is a way that you can get yourself out of a funk. You know, I treat it like, you know, playing Little League. What do you do when you're Little League? You can't think. You don't. You just go up there. You put your feet in the ground and you go see ball, hit ball. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Nomar has, you know, a couple of batting titles. He knows what he's talking about. And, you know, it's just, listen, what Cody's going through right now, I've been through it. It's, it's not fun. 
especially in the limelight of in L.A. fighting for another uh, division championship and possible World Series. You know, um, in all fairness, you know, the shoulder surgery, uh, the calf injury, uh, the first couple of weeks of the season, then he came back and he had a hamstring problem. So to me right now, looking at him and see what I'm doing, he's just, he doesn't have any lower half underneath him. And if you don't have any lower half, that's that's really hard to hit in the big leagues. It's just really hard to hit, period. Um, as soon as he slows up and, and gets his lower half underneath him, gets his feet in the ground, um, you know, I think things are going to start turning around. But right now, um, he's, he's moving too fast. It's like he's on skates. He's on skates and he can't get his feet settled. But it's just like anything else. Strength is built from the ground up. The more stability you have from the ground up from your feet, using the ground as your friend, that's your friend. You need to use the ground. If you're sliding on top of the ground, it's not doing you any good. And there's so many inconsistencies. Um, so to me, it, it's a really simple thing. Um, again, I'm not in the clubhouse. I'm just looking from afar. I just don't, I, I really, I don't like seeing great players struggle. And then again, you're having a lot of people in your ear. That's another thing. People are talking and saying things. But to me, it's just right back to basics. You have to have the feet in the ground. You have to have the energy. Using the ground as your friend and using your legs. And right now he's a little bit off of that. Do you believe that's a mindset, uh, Mark? Or what do you believe it takes to correct something like that? Well, I think they go hand in hand. You have to feel it. And if you feel it, your mind feels good. But um, to me, when, when I watch him hit, he's, there's, just, there's way too much movement. and <laughs> It's not allowing his feet to be stuck in the ground just that split second before contact, he has the, that front foot has to be in the ground in order to, you know, to get on top of that front leg. Uh, right now, all his energy is falling um, <clears throat> just right at first base into the first base dugout. And it's really hard to be consistent. And then what you do is you swing harder thinking you're going to catch up to it. And when, you're, when you're seeing guys throwing 94, 95, 96, 97, you know, some 98 to 100s, that's really hard to do that if you have a lot of movement and you're not using your feet, you know? Um, so to back to the, the original question about, you know, what Nomar says is about two strikes. That is a way to start to do it. Spread out just a little bit, keep the feet in the ground and just allow your feet, use the ground as your friends, have the feet in the ground stuck in there at contact. And then they can do whatever they want after you get the ball. I think I'm going to have a bunch of major league players line up outside of your house, Mark. I hope you don't mind that. <laughs> well, it's just David. It's just, I mean, it's just to me, it's something that uh, that is really it's a, it's 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 hitting 101. It's you know you have to have your lower half. Your lower half allows your upper half to work simple. If the lower half isn't working, it's really hard for the upper half to do anything. And that's why you're seeing underneath, you're seeing flipovers. I mean, that's just with belly, it's just pretty, it's with everybody. <clears throat> but you have to have the stability. It's like you going in the gym and somebody doing squats. Are you going to go in and do squats and have your ankles move all over the place? And then what's going to happen? You're going to blow out your knee. You have to have stability in your feet before you can use your legs to the fullest extent of strength, stability. And then what happens is your upper half just works easily. You don't even have to think about using your upper half if your lower half has worked properly. 
That makes complete sense, and uh, hopefully Cody Bellinger starts to feel that very soon. And if he's listening to this on the iHeartRadio app after the game, I'm sure he'll pick up some pointers. Do you remember? I think we could share this now. Do you remember that day that the Dodgers were in Tampa Bay and David Freeze was struggling, another one of your pupils, and you just had a small <laughs> phrase for me to say to him to remind him how to get it going again, and he knew exactly what you were talking about, and he took off after that. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, that's it. Everybody's different, but it's, it's like, you know, the thing with David is, David is the, the strength of the bottom hand, and, and, and sometimes he gets a little flippy with the top hand. He forgets to use the bottom hand, the left hand, and, and uh, but it really goes hand in hand with the lower half. If that front foot is stuck in the ground and it's stable, it allows the bottom hand to work a lot easier, right? And so sometimes when that front foot's a little bit wobbly, it might not look it to anybody that doesn't really know what that feeling's like, but I can see if the toenail's coming up off the, off the ground. If somebody, wow. And that's what happens. Unconsciously, your, your energy's sort of falling away from where you want to do it. You know, and so, but, but by the power of you sticking that, those feet in the ground and allowing it, it allows that bottom hand to work so much easier. Uh, and that was a big thing for David, and he just, Man, I'll tell you what, I, I, I remember as long as like, I, I can even remember saying those things to um, simplify Alan Craig in the World Series in the playoffs in 2011. I said, Alan, you got you to get, get that front foot down. You got to use it. It's your friend. You know, help it. He, he went off. So, you know, that's to me, you just wash the foot, you wash the feet. 90, 98% of hitters' slumps come from the lower half. It's just, that's what it is, is got to look at the lower half. The upper half only works as good as the lower half is stable. No doubt. It's all symbiotic. That makes so much sense, and mm-hmm. you translate it so well, Mark, for all of us non-major league players to understand. Before I let you go, Dodgers-Giants just finished the last three games they're going to see each other. I know you're a big baseball fan. I know you were watching the series what do you think about these two teams? And uh, do you believe the Dodgers, uh, even with all the talent, can put it together to beat that team? I do. I, I really do. I, I just, um, I, I just personally can't see the, 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 the Giants. Although they're a good team, it's just they're struggling to score runs right now, and and their pitching staff is sort of in disarray. They're having problems with their, their starters, but they've been relying on their starters a lot. Now, are they going to get to the playoffs? Obviously, they're going to get to the playoffs, but is it going to be a division or is it going to be the wild card? Um, it's, I just see the Dodgers overtaking them. Um, if something's going to click, something's going to really click. And, the, you know, the Dodgers have been doing really – it's like they, they go and sweep, uh, you know, the Padres, and they come up and they lose two out of three to Colorado, which that should have been six straight. Um, you know, might have been a little let down or something there. But uh, that, that's the thing, that you just got to keep rolling with that stuff. And, um, you know, I just see the Dodgers doing it. You know, the, the good thing is the possibility of getting uh, Clayton back in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, Adam Scherzer's, you know, that's just, that was just a tremendous move. Trey Turner, the speed kills. I mean, that's top of the order. You got him. I'm telling you right now, you get in the playoffs. I mean, these games might be six hours. If Trey gets on, it's just one thing that scares the hell out of managers is speed. You'll see so many throwovers and stop and, hey, let's go talk to the pitcher. And it's just, uh, you know, so they're in a really, really good position. Uh, 
you know, um, unfortunately, Pollock went down with a hamstring. <clears throat> Hopefully he can get back soon. But the way things are, they just I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to overtake the Giants and, and win the division. All right. He usually knows what he's talking about, so that's encouraging and gives everybody optimism with 25 more games to go in the season. Mark, you're awesome, and I really appreciate the friendship and uh, you being our guest today on the pregame show. Thanks, David, as always, man. I miss our time together. Yes, I'll make it down to your area, but uh, I love the phone calls, and uh, I'll always uh, (laughs) cherish the times that you were the hitting coach with the Dodgers and really taught me a lot and uh, really included me, so I always appreciated that. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed my three years there, too. It was was a great, great time, so thanks a lot, David. Enjoy your day and enjoy the game tonight. Actually, enjoyed all four games in St. Louis. It's going to be awesome. I remember when you went back there, Mark, the team was giving you a hard time when you went back as the Dodger hitting coach. You got a lot of attention, and everybody just loved giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the way my career went. I loved it, man. I was a punching bag. I loved it. To me, that stuff was great. It got, it got me motivated when people were getting on my butt. So, <laughs> And so, then you know yeah, what? In the, in the coaches – in the in the clubhouse, all you would do is just smile and just keep walking. Maybe put your glasses back on and just keep walking <laughs> as those guys would give you a hard time. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, hey, that's just part of life, man. Yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's the fun part of it. it man. All right, Mark. We'll talk soon. <laughs> okay. As always. Thanks. There he was, Mark McGuire, and just really breaking it down when it comes to Cody Bellinger and what he's doing wrong. And I actually told Mark what made that so great was that he made it understandable for all of us to comprehend what is wrong with Cody Bellinger and what the flaw is in his swing. And Mark will send me still shots of the front foot of Cody being bent down, not looking strong compared to uh, years past where he's firmly planted that front foot. So just awesome from pool holes to Cody, to the Dodgers pennant race. I hope you enjoyed Mark McGuire because he doesn't do many interviews and appreciate him doing that one for us. My favorite. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad to see you're not wearing khakis. Your favorite. And not everyone holds themselves to a high physical standard around here, but... uh, Probably not Vasse's favorite. I know no one listens to your show, so... (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) DV is joined by Andre Ethier. Yes, indeed. Episode 23 with Andre Ethier, and you can find him on Instagram at Everett Ethier. That's him. That's his blue check mark. Dre, happy 23rd week of the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Felicia. I can't even believe uh, we're already 23 weeks in and uh, going strong, having a lot of fun doing it. Um, I would say our podcast kind of resembles this Dodger season. <laughs> How is that? Uh, ups and downs. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the bur- Okay. You I know, feel like hey, there's been a hey, lot more ups on hey, this side. Hey, we're number two. Well, at least we're number two, right? Just like you in the LA and the LA market. You're the number two personality behind Ryan Seacrest. Oh, don't and, start that. Uh, and uh, if not, if everyone hasn't, seen that or heard that or researched that it's tough to find you're gonna have to, it's gonna take it's gonna take you six or seven google searches to finally find the article that says it but 
Um, yeah, Dave, you're Dave Essay, the guy I'm talking to right now on this podcast, was voted somewhere. I don't know how many fans were this polled, maybe six or seven, <laughs> that uh, he was the number two radio personality in uh, Southern California or L.A. County. What was it? L.A. County. L.A. County. There you go. There you go. So uh, I feel honored. But, yeah, like I said, number two, this podcast is definitely a resemblance of this Dodger season. Look. I had no idea about that until my mom called me that Sunday morning when when in her L.A. Times, there was a pullout section of the best of L.A. Restaurants, breweries, uh, dry cleaning, and I was right there behind Seacrest. Did she write the article? Uh, maybe. Maybe she voted. I had no idea about this. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go back and say I, some of the stuff I've said in the past about how it's your aunts and uncles and mom listening to the show i think it's it's, it's, it's pretty true it's pretty true on that voting all right well that's not the burning question yeah. this week the burning question is does andre ethier have that social media itch that comes along with instagram are you feeling that itch to post every hour on the hour uh i don't know if i have the itch you know it's really tough it really is and I, kudos to all those people out there who can create and give content that isn't overwhelming, that doesn't seem like you're just posting a post. It's like trying to accurately be authentic, like we've talked about. I think we've talked about this before, me and you, is being authentic on your on this, but also giving a little bit of a snapshot of just your comings and goings and daily, you know, life. And that's what I've been trying to balance and do during the day, you know, so give, you know, some people who want to follow me, uh, some of the things that I'm doing during the day, but also give them some, uh, you know, more candid, uh, shots of it. Also the best post that you had was on your Instagram story. The day of the first Dodger giant game in San Francisco last week, where you're in your recliner and you just have the preview of the game to come four hours before first pitch. Uh, is I kind of felt like you were back in your old zone. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it kind of obviously my son Drayson uh, filmed me doing that. But I, I came in. I had just been golfing, and, and we know Phoenix here. It's hotter than I'll get, and um, uh, sweating like crazy. And uh, um, you know, going to my TV room there, and the TV was already on, so. I wanted to check and see what time the game was getting, you know, was going to be aired that night. So I tipped it over and then I just decided to sit in the dark there and cool down for a minute. And, uh, yeah, he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, you saw the video. I'm getting ready to watch the Dodger game. <laughs> did you just get, did you just get done playing golf? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, <laughs> it's awful early. So yeah, it was kind of, kind of fun of him getting all over me about, sitting there getting ready for the game. But, yeah, I guess you could say I was getting back in my mode. I was excited, excited for that big series, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, the Dodgers had have and, and are right there in striking distance to a team, uh, you know, that has been a surprise all year. Before we get to the Dodgers-Giants series, I remember when you were playing, they tried to do some food blog with you. Well, Instagram is a blank canvas for that, Dre. Would you ever post your foodie spots that you go and eat, maybe in Phoenix or if you go to a different city? You know what? I, I And you, this is one of those things where you learn to never say never, right? Um, when I started this, uh, you know, I, I had some help with some of the Dodger crew and uh, – 
you know, some people around there that helped me and they were like, are you going to do any more of your food stuff? And I said, I don't think so. I just don't want to go down that area. But I have had a large request from many of the followers so far to ask me if I'm going to be doing any food stuff. So um, I think if that's what the people want, I got to give it to them. And, um, you know, I think I'm going to pick and choose some situations and some spots where I can uh, throw some stuff in there, especially when, you know, run up to spring training uh, for the, all the fans coming out to Arizona, and then even give some love to the L.A. Uh, you know, organizations out there. And uh, one I know, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, I've, I've just kind of been working on it, and I'm going to see how I can help out, uh, you know, in this area with them too, is there's a uh, one that helps uh, back of the, uh, uh, you know, restaurant staff. You know, it's called Know Us Without You. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, I don't know if you heard of those guys, um, really good group, uh, doing a lot of good work. They're the guys from the Vala Hospitality Group, and uh, they're helping undocumented uh, back-of-house staff during this pandemic with all kinds of needs and stuff like that. So all these people who've been laid off and have done, uh, you know, stuff like that during this pandemic, they're helping out, and they're just stepping up and doing it. So it's a thing where I definitely want to, uh, help them out, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to figure out a way here in the future to uh, maybe do a collab with them and raise some more awareness and funds for what they're doing. I love that, Dre. Please post it, and a lot of us would love to support them as well. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, and, and sorry, I was so and sorry, I was so long winded on that. I just no. you know, it's, it's a great it's a great cause, and anytime you can help people, uh, it really does mean something. And I know you feel the same way as I do. Um, when you have good restaurants. And you don't realize how those people, uh, you know, how much those things really come in handy and use when we get shut down like a pandemic. You really do miss it, and we got to support that staff. No doubt, no doubt. And Andre Ethier knows some of the best places to eat, and there's a lot of people, the unsung heroes behind the kitchen that nobody knows about that cooks all this great food. Dre, speaking of great food, I was uh, giving my top 10 list of my favorite cities that I've traveled with the Dodgers over the course of the last 10 years and my bottom 10. Uh, I put aside New York, Chicago, and Boston, but I did share the fact that one of the first dinners we ever had on the road, you invited me to a great dinner in Philadelphia, one of your classic foodie Italian spots in Philly. Do you remember that? I do. The Vetri Brothers, uh, it was uh, their pasta uh, place. Yes. Um, I know it's closed down. I uh, can't remember the name of it, but it was the uh, Vetri Brothers, uh, a famous Italian family that the uh, you know the kids once they got a little older I think they're about uh, you know our age and they kind of branched off from the mom and pop restaurante you know neighborhood uh, family restaurant to uh, more of the sit down fine dining uh, Italian establishments you see today and yeah I remember it. there was a you know pure pasta menu ten fresh pastas every night and I remember you were sitting there after the game late at night with you having that fresh cacio e pepe with you oh yeah uh, that's right. You were hyping that up, and you did not disappoint. Yeah, what a, I mean, Philly's a great place to start. I think that's a really takes a back burner to what New York has going on. And, you know, it, New York, obviously, is it's a food scene and food adventure in itself. But Philadelphia has some great uh, spots that are, you know, in that area and in realm of New York. And, and they might not have the quantity, but they definitely do have the quality. And, I mean, I think for me, my top two 
uh, probably one that not many people would know is, is Denver. Denver has quite a few great uh, chef-driven restaurants that are, you know, one-offs uh, that some, uh, you know, great uh, chefs are, are doing there in, in Denver. And it was always a, a great spot, you know, since we fragranted it so much. And then I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, San Francisco, um, the, the food in San Francisco is always great um, when you go there. Um, and it always feels better when, when you, after you win a game and you go out and have a good, good dinner somewhere and you know, you, you took it to that city. You actually were retired or you were on rehab assignment and you steered me to a great Italian restaurant in a neighborhood. It was a converted, it was amongst houses and it could only hold about 20 people. Uh, in, in San Fran? Yeah. in San Fran. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, La Chicha. La Chicha. On yeah, the that's right. There. That's uh, right. A, a Sardinian restaurant. It's, uh, it's honestly one of my favorite uh, restaurants, you know, one of my top five restaurants I ever went to in the time I was playing. And um, they do a really good job. Mom and pop uh, run place. Uh, I was put onto it by a recommendation by actually a gentleman in uh, L.A., David Rosoff, who was the general manager for – Osteria Moza, they're on Highland and yeah. uh, Mel- Melrose and ran a lot of Nancy Silverton's uh, establishment and restaurants over the years for, for her, but he's a very well-connected gentleman uh, from Campanile to uh, La Brea Bed- Bread Company. He was general manager of many of those places in L.A. over the years, and all the hands and all the people he touched over the years who went off and spread across the country were one of my main contacts to be like, hey, you know, David, where, where is the next, you know, we're in, in Cincinnati. Do you know anyone? I, I actually happen to know someone. I had a former sommelier who's now at this restaurant there. Uh, here, here's the place to go. And so he was a great contact, and uh, he was the one who led me to, you know, most of my places over the year. Love it. Yes, La Chicha. I remember going there. I was solo. I sat at the bar, had my dinner, and it was raining that night. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great place to eat. And Andre Ethier just gave you a couple of nuggets right there. You can eat where Ethier has eaten in the past. Speaking of San Francisco, Ethier, that Giants series did not go the way the Dodgers would have liked, beginning with that extra inning loss. What did you think about those three games, and how do the Dodgers get better? Yeah, I, I just you know what I hate giving away a game, and I know they pitched really well, but I hate giving away that first game. You know, bullpen game. Um, does that does that make your offense more hungry, or does it make it more sluggish because you're kind of just going out there and you know piecing you know a staffed game together? Um, and then I think that uncharacteristically bad start by Walker Bueller. I, I think you get game two and you feel really good about it going into it with Walker and, um, you know, just kind of had a, a dud night and those happen and it just happened at the wrong time against the, the right team. And I think the offense too, you know, I don't think the, the pitching in that game was very good from the start either, you know, it just wasn't well executed on both ends.
All right, yeah, you brought up the thing that sticks out to me the most, not only in that series, but in the last 16, 17 games as the Dodgers are playing in St. Louis. Their offense has only hit 200. They're only averaging three and a half runs per game. Justin Turner is only hitting 230 since the All-Star break. Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, all in slumps. We all know the issues Cody Bellinger has had. With just about 20 games to go, Dre, can these guys find their way out of it i think so i think you know what this is the and we talked about this in before the all-star break you know right the kind of leading into it that's just such a tough thing when you're rolling and going into it and you get to the all-star game and you take that deep breath and exhale oh we're here you know we're 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 at our half you know a little bit past the halfway point at the halfway point is you know now we can see the light starting at the end of the tunnel because you know you've made it this far and you can start counting down that's when it gets tough, and that's when I've been there, you know, where you start losing that focus just a little bit. and Just losing a little bit leads to, uh, you know, cruise control a little bit more than you want to. And um, But you know what? Hey, September hits. Um, you can see where you're at. You know what, what your goal is, and it's at hand. Win this division, you know, make a good, you know, make a good spot for yourself in the playoffs. Um, I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe that guys like Justin, guys who've been here, who've done this many times over and over, um, know how to kick it back in gear and push to, you know, cement the NLS division, you know, again and put themselves in a good spot to uh, make another playoff run. All right, Dre, when we talk to you next week, they'll only be in the teens as far as games to go, so it should be fun the rest of the way. Love catching up with you, and you can follow Andre on Instagram at Everett Ethier. Thanks, Dre. Appreciate it. Stop, uh, stop sending me all those messages on Instagram. You have, you have my number and you know how to call me. All right. <laughs> okay. No more DMS. Yeah. No more DMing me. That's get out of here. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Deal. <laughs> Later. Later. Before we say goodbye on episode 23 of the Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona, I want to share with you a man that should be now in the conversation for the National League Cy Young Award. We all know about Corbin Burns and Walker Bueller, but how about Max Scherzer? He now ranks first in ERA, first in WHIP, first in opponent's batting average, and second with 210 strikeouts in the National League. His ERA after that gem in St. Louis on Labor Day was 228. His whip was 086. Hitters were only hitting 181, and he's just six strikeouts away from 3,000, which he surely will get in his next start. So put some respect on Max Scherzer, who, in my opinion, his career has been overshadowed by Clayton Kershaw and the fact that he hasn't pitched for the same team in his entire career diamondbacks tigers nationals and now dodgers he is looking for his fourth national league cy young award and he definitely should be in the conversation and i for one am embarrassed that i haven't mentioned his name more but he certainly now will be mentioned 
every chance possible for the rest of the season. We will talk to you for episode 24. Thanks to Mark McGuire and Andre Ethier, and thanks, as always, for downloading the Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter at the Real underscore DV, and on Instagram at Officially Vasse. See ya. We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast. Extra Dodger content for Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM570LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.